Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself, go board yourself. You wanna smoke? Hey, all right, welcome. It is episode number eighty-five of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great one for you guys today. Uh, we. We'll be talking about some of the news. We have a really special guest, Miss Jill of Miss Jill Genetics and TGA. Uh, we're going to talk about the strain of the Fortnite, uh, grow tip, and uh, grow Q&A as well. So stick around. Episode number 85 is brought to you by Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Rocket Seeds, and Organic Rev Growth Stimulant. Hey, so if you're looking to grow healthier, faster growing plants and increase your yields, Organic Rev is the answer. Rev is safe to use from seed through harvest and its active ingredients are 100% naturally occurring. Rev is a growth stimulant, not a nutrient. Simply adding Rev to your current regimen can deliver dramatic results. And because it's not a nutrient, Rev can't burn your plants. Growers turn to Rev to increase fertilizer efficiency, improve their nutrient uptake and the root zone development, stimulate seed germination, reduce transplant shock, and more. On a personal note, I've been using Rev and it works great. My plants absolutely love it and they respond immediately by greening up and looking healthy and strong. And now, our listeners can receive 10% off their first order of organic Rev with the promo code GBY10. That's good for 10% off your entire purchase at Organic Rev. So head to organicrev.com slash GBY10 and find out what Rev can do for your plants. All right, welcome back. And as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. It's episode number 85 coming at you. <laughs> The Ocho Cinco episode. Ocho Cinco, that's right. Chad, Chad he's, he's a good Twitter follow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, you know, I wanted to mention we've got merch uh, on our website, uh, growbudyourself.com. Uh, right now, there's just like three things there there's an iPhone case, uh, some coffee mug, and a, a water bottle. Uh, but if you guys have ideas on some uh, merch that you'd be into, if you want us to make some T-shirts or, uh, you know, sweatshirts or hoodies or whatever, uh, and you'd be interested in buying anything like that, please let us know. Uh, send in your merch suggestions to info at growbudyourself.com. Um, and if you want any of that merch, just go on growbudyourself.com and uh, and click on merch in the top left and, and get yourself some GBY uh, merch there. Sounds pretty good. We should incorporate that into Patreon at some point, too. Like, uh, I think, you know, for the higher levels of Patreon, maybe uh, maybe people get some GBY merch. I mean, we have the stickers and the, the stationery and stuff, but, you know, why not a hat or a shirt or something? That sounds good to me. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to mention that. But, uh, yeah, what's uh, what's in the news out there, Mike? Well, there's a few things, but uh, last week... We we covered a few stories. One of the stories we covered actually got lost in our uh, recording. It just didn't record. So I guess we should talk about it this week because it is very germane to uh, what we talk about on this show. So basically, New Jersey, our neighbor to the uh, west, 
they have legalized cannabis. Of course, there is no current launch date for um, for recreational sales to begin, but cannabis has been legalized there. It was legalized on election day in 2020, and then the legislature figured out a law and Governor Murphy signed that bill into law. But the one thing that the law does not include is home grow. And so a lot of people, a lot of industry insiders thought that um, after the initial bill was legalized, that uh, lawmakers there would incorporate a home grow aspect into the law for New Jersey. But that has not happened. And state Senate President Nick Scatori says that they have no plans to add personal cultivation to New Jersey's cannabis law. And the reason that he doesn't want to add this is he thinks that personal cultivation is going to help the black market and potentially prevent the state's new legal industry from really taking off. So here's the interesting thing. New Jersey is one of just three states that have legalized marijuana and still prohibit any unlicensed cannabis cultivation for adult use. The other two states are Illinois and Washington State, and they bar recreational home grows. However, New Jersey stands alone as the only state that has legalized cannabis but continues to ban home cultivation even for medical patients. So there you go, man. New Jersey, no home grow in the Garden State. Yeah. That's pretty late, lame, you know, the garden state uh, with no home grow. And then here we are in New York with home grow, uh, or at least, you know, home grow on the way. But there's there's home grow for medical already and uh, soon for rec. Um, it just seems strange that they wouldn't allow it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, people go to dispensaries and purchasing something someone else grew. But uh, I don't think home grow contributes to the black market. If anything, it's probably not contributing at all to the black market it's it's people creating look there's people like me who are connoisseurs that are going to go for the stuff that's small batch you know production stuff and that's you know if that's not happening at the dispensaries in these big warehouse grows that they're putting out you know mids and boof and stuff for people that i'm not buying that you know that's not that's not going to work for the the aficionado um or the connoisseur so uh, I do think we're lucky in New York that we got that law passed where we can actually grow, even if it's just six or 12 plants per household. But, uh, man, I just I think they're making a big mistake uh, by not allowing it. And I'm certainly would be amazed if they actually went around and actually kept busting people for growing something that's totally legal. <laughs> it just seems so silly. But, uh, you know, it's the same. I, I, I mean, I can brew my own beer. Uh, at home, it's it's the question of whether I, I'm, if I start selling it, you know, that's a whole other story, right? But uh, but I don't know. It just doesn't make sense that you they wouldn't allow it, and I think it's very short sighted. It doesn't make sense, and yet growing a single plant at home in New Jersey, even though the state has legalized pot for recreational and medical use, uh, growing a single plant could still result in prison time and substantial fines, even for registered uh, medical patients. So, interesting. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, that's awful. Well, the other story um, I thought that we should touch on here in episode 85 has to do with detecting impairment in uh, drivers, THC impairment. And now, you know, Dan, and our listeners probably know that this has been a bit of a, a sticky wicket, I guess, for lawmakers to figure out and also for law enforcement officials to figure out because they just don't know how to do it. And the problem is, as most people know who follow uh, this show and know anything about weed is that cannabis stays in the body for a very long time past the point where you're actually impaired 
and metabolites stay in the body for weeks after cannabis was last consumed. So because of that, traditional roadside tests like a breathalyzer, say, they don't really work with cannabis because you can't tell how impaired someone is based on the concentration of THC in their body at the time. So scientists and lawmakers and law enforcement officials have all been working to figure out how are they going to uh, enforce impairment from THC in drivers. Now, personally, I don't think this is a big deal because people who drive stoned generally drive pretty safe, despite the propaganda that um, prohibitionists put out there about stone driving. But this is still an issue. So researchers at the Massachusetts General Hospital might have come up with the answer, and they think the answer is brain imaging. So this new study, they're using functional near-infrared spectroscopy, and that measures patterns in the brain, um, and that could potentially discover impairment from THC. And because it's a non-invasive uh, procedure, and the equipment that's necessary is sort of light and battery-operated and portable, that might just be the answer that law enforcement has been looking for. Now, the study didn't specifically look into the feasibility of this method on roadside stops by law enforcement, but it did suggest that creating a brain scanner fitted into a headband or a cap could make the test easier to use and also reduce setup time. So I guess uh, this means that we could look forward to traffic cops hooking electrodes up to our scalps so they can conduct an attempt to interpret brain imaging tests on the side of a highway, but, um, but it seems to be some, some potential here in this, uh, in this technology. Yeah, I mean, it sounds crazy to me, and I think, you know, they just need to back off a little bit, and impairment you know impairment is impairment it's it's not you're not going to be able to measure it you but but you can see it if someone's too high to drive they shouldn't be driving but most people have been driving high all this time and uh it's really like you said it's not uh, an issue the way it is with alcohol pills or even fatigue i mean people that are tired uh and drive noticeably worse uh when they're super duper tired uh, and they can fall asleep and drive right off the highway or into uh, oncoming traffic. So, uh, I mean, it's like, you know, calls it like you sees it. If someone's impaired, they're impaired. But if they're not, they're not. And just leave us alone, you know. Let us drive in peace. I mean, if someone's swerving all over the road, pull them over and, and see if, if they should be driving or not. But that's not what us, uh, you know, cannabis consumers are like for the most part. I mean, obviously... You know, if you're a first-time smoker, you shouldn't get behind the wheel of a car, you know. But at the same time, I don't know. There's bigger fish to fry out there. I think it's crazy that they uh, would develop something like that. And and then and I, I the picture that I saw had, like, it wasn't a hat or a headband. It was, like, you know, almost like a ski, ski mask that goes over your whole, you know, head and back and everything. And... I don't know. I, I just think it's crazy that cops are going to be hauling that thing around and putting it on people. I mean, right. you know, there's there, there's people. Meanwhile, you know, yeah, whatever. There's violent criminals roaming the streets, man. Like, let's let's get our priorities straight here. Yeah, I. This is probably going to sound a little jaded, but I think that the the real reason why so many um, 
uh, scientists and researchers, etc., are looking into this is money. I mean, whoever cracks this issue and comes up with a, a, a feasible way to do these roadside tests essentially creates the cannabis breathalyzer. They're going to make a ton of money because every law enforcement office in the entire country is going to want one of these things. So I, I think this whole thing is just driven sort of by, by greed. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened with drug testing to begin with as well. I mean, it was all, all driven by greed and then companies would get uh, cut, you know, their insurance would be lower if they drug tested their employees. And therefore, it was in their best interest to do it, even if it's not a job that necessarily even needs someone to, you know, not be impaired. But uh, I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy what they're wasting time and money on. But again, like you said, someone's going to make a mint if they come up with something like that, a roadside cannabis brain scan, you know, test. But yeah, it makes me uh, kind of wonder what life in the future is really going to be like. <laughs> it makes me wonder if your average cop is really qualified to interpret brain imaging scans, but I guess maybe Indeed. they could teach them how to do it. I, I don't know. I'm not sure, but interesting. Yes. It also brings up that whole nanogram per milliliter of blood bullshit that, that they were doing in Colorado and other states. Uh, you know, if you have X amount of nanograms of THC per milliliter of blood, you're over the limit. Uh, they, they just they don't know how to deal with THC driving. I would say just leave it, leave it alone and focus on the, uh, the drunks and the, the, the people with, you know, the pill, pill things going on that they're far more dangerous than, than any of us are. Fair enough. All right, well, that's a little bit of a look at what's going on in the world of weed, but we have an excellent show, and uh, we have a really cool interview coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ms. Jill has been uh, breeding cannabis for decades, uh, and uh, one of the few American women, one of the few women, but certainly one of the few American women who've, who have been uh, at the forefront of cannabis breeding with TGA, um, Team Green Avenger, which she co-founded uh, with the late Subcool, and uh, and Ms. Jill Genetics, and I mean strains that are just known around the world: Jilly Bean, uh, Agent Orange, uh, a, a bunch of just classic, fruity, amazing, potent varieties. And she's really cool, a, a, a wonderful person, and uh, I'm excited to talk to her. And I hope you guys. Uh, we'll stick around after these messages. We will be back with Ms. Jill. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're going to need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor, Rocket Seeds, has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. Uh, 
All right. Welcome back. It's episode 85 of Grow Bud Yourself, and we have a very special guest for you guys this week. Uh, we have the owner and head breeder of Miss Jill Genetics and uh, TGA. Miss Jill, hello. Hi there. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really happy to have you on the show. Uh, you know, we've known each other for a long time, uh, since the old Overgrow days, and uh, I know you have a long history as a breeder in the cannabis world, um, having co-founded TGA, Team Green Avenger, in 2003. And uh, that's really, I guess, when I started seeing, you know, the posts on Overgrow and and the photographs of, like, the beautiful strains and everything. Uh, but even before that, you were a medical patient. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, how you got, how you got interested in cannabis and, and how, how you got involved in it at all. Well, um, I was, I was a young single mom of three and I had a, a back pain I, it, and it ended up being uh, caused by scoliosis that I had a curvature of the spine. And, um, I started using cannabis to relieve the, the pain because I don't leave, I, I do not believe in pharmaceuticals. So, you know, being a single mom of three, I, I couldn't really afford to, to continue to buy it and pay bills at the same time. So I started to grow it. Um, I went and I, I got my medical um, cannabis permit in Oregon, and that allowed me to grow plants for myself. And, you know, so that's what I started doing. And at the same time, I was also helping patients uh, that were local to me with giving them, setting them up with um, mothers and putting them back then I grew in a hydroponic system, the old bubbler bucket systems. So I would set them up with a bubbler bucket system in a plant. And uh, in exchange, that's where I picked up my orange velvet mother. That, that is, has been such a big staple as, as part of TGA and part of the cannabis industry is one of the main orange strains going way back. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about before any medical marijuana was actually legalized or even any marijuana was legalized. Uh, and as a mom, I know you face the added risk of potentially losing your kids uh, and more. Uh, so talk a little bit about the risks that people were taking back then, because I want people to understand nowadays what it was like back then. Well, you know, I did I did have the medical marijuana card, so it did permit me to have the cannabis. But at the same time, it was it, uh, the main the main problem that I had was I felt sorry for my children. They, it was difficult for them because they had to be quiet they couldn't really bring uh, friends to my home because if they saw it and they went and, and, and discussed it with other friends and my, my children might be outcast, you know, in their class or whatever. Um, it just, it wasn't a, it wasn't an in thing to do at the time. It was kind of a taboo thing. And, um, you know, it, it, big stereotypes would go along with that, you know, and, and people wouldn't want their children to play with my children. So my, my daughters had to learn to keep everything very quiet about that, but not, um, not look at it as, as as if we were doing something wrong, just as something that other people didn't quite understand yet, that we were maybe a couple steps ahead at that point. So um, they did learn the medical benefits very young. And as I homeschooled them for quite some time, they were, um, I used for, for science and learning about plants and growth and cells and such, we used cannabis plants and, and seeds. So they did learn from that. They were hands-on um, in the learning process. And all of them use it medically now. Uh, excuse me, my, my middle daughter does not use it at this point. She had previously, but um, my oldest daughter, she uses it medically and my youngest daughter as well. Yeah. And you mentioned being a scoliosis patient, uh, but you're also a bodybuilder. 
Do you think cannabis helped you deal with the pain of scoliosis and uh, being able to do the workouts that are necessary for bodybuilding on a professional level? Yes, absolutely. I believe that it relaxes my muscles enough and it, um, it, I think it just helps make the body healthier. Maybe it, it was the mindset that I took on at that time of everything becoming natural and, and using uh, natural foods instead of canned box or fast foods. I don't believe in those. I advocate for everything being natural, you know, fresh from the field or as close as possible as you can, uh, very minimally processed if possible. It's the healthiest way to do things. And I do consume cannabis rather than taking any other type of pharmaceuticals, you know, if, if and when that's possible. Uh, just recently, for example, I had leg surgery. I had um, I had uh, torn ACL and, and meniscus, and I had a big chunk of cartilage missing. And they drilled some holes in my bone. It's quite painful. But I, I quit taking the pain pills uh, less than a week, and I was using cannabis. And it was it was pretty painful, but I, I did use the cannabis to get through. And I do use the edibles. You know, they they help with the more um, intense pains, like the bone the bone pain that I could feel that radiating up my leg. I'd take an edible and it just really helped relieve that pain. So I definitely advocate for that. And um, it definitely helps people with the PTSD, anxiety, depression. So, you know, there's, and there's so many different ways to consume it. Of course, smoking things ne- necessarily isn't the healthiest way to do so, but um, sometimes it's the most direct. And um, edibles, you know, they, they definitely give more of the narcotic, narcotic or more of a, a medicinal high as far as relieving pain now going back to the uh the overgrow days and like the forum days you were the first uh female breeder that i was aware of like especially in america at that time how did how did that transition from uh being a, a patient and a cultivator uh and growing for patients to uh actually breeding and creating new strains you know in the very beginning, it was much harder to be taken seriously by my male uh, co-parts. And, uh, you know, they didn't necessarily see the woman as, as being the grower or being the head of anything, being a breeder. I recall uh, being at a can- High Times Cannabis Cup, you know, and we had some seeds there. And some somebody came up and said, oh, can I speak to one of the breeders? And I was like, hey, you know, <laughs> I said, I'm one of the breeders. And he's kind of looking around me. And we got to talking and we had a very good conversation, completely changed his outlook on, you know, female versus male in the breeding and growing aspect of that. And since then, there have been just the ladies have just jumped right on board. And I see that um, the industry taking a different turn is when when ladies first started coming in and more about the plant, more about patients, more about nurturing as to where men, it's um, sometimes more of a competition. And I think the ladies kind of leave that aside, and it's more about helping who they can help. You co-founded TGA, which is Team Green Avenger, with uh, your former partner, the late Subcool. And you guys were uh, breeding together (laughs) at that time until uh, around 2017 when there was a really devastating fire. Can you tell me just a little bit about – I mean, you you lost everything, right? Yes, uh, everything, um, our personal items, our um, business items, our plants, our gardens, our moms, our seeds, absolutely everything was lost that night. We, if, if we had gone to bed at that time, we would have um, woke up and we would have uh, been trapped. We wouldn't have been able to get out. So it was 
very thankful that we happened to still be awake at that time and, and went out on our deck and saw the flames. So, um, and we both kind of went our own different direction at that point. We were just uh, getting ready to split business and personal at that point, but uh, it, you know, the fire kind of pushed that along a little bit quicker. So after that, you were able to recover some genetics and rebuild and start a new company, Ms. Jill Genetics. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and how you were able to start fresh and new. Well, thankfully, I did have some uh, friends here locally in Oregon, as well as my daughter that had a lot of the uh, moms that we had previously had. We'd left some moms behind as we traveled on to Oregon or to California, excuse me. And um, also CSI Humboldt was a great uh, help to me with rebuilding my library as well. He came through with quite a few uh, moms that have um, already been utilized, uh, such as the, the Purple Urkel. Uh, she's the mom of, of course, Quirkle, which was an original TGA strain. And she's also become the mom of my Jelly Bean Grape, which is uh, something I've made now in uh, regular and feminized form. Nice. Yeah. And uh, uh, let's talk about some of the strains, especially Agent Orange. I love the story of that strain. Uh, and I believe that uh, one of the parents of that is uh, Orange Velvet. Uh, but even how it got its name, could you tell me a little bit about uh, your Agent Orange? Yeah, Agent Orange. Uh, she's so many people really love that one. Um, she's a cross of the Orange Velvet, uh, also, uh, um, you know, shares the mother with Jelly Bean. Um, but the mother of, uh, I mean, excuse me, the, the male that we were using for the Agent Orange was Jack the Ripper. So that puts kind of a, you know, a little bit of a more citrus twist on a little bit of lemon in there. That uh, real strong, cleaner flavor of lemon that uh, Jack the Ripper is known so well for. And um, makes beautiful, amazing um, concentrates. The orange color and the orange flavor kind of follows through. It's, it's quite awesome. And that's a strain that I made uh, to honor my dad. He was a Vietnam veteran. He passed away from cancer caused by the chemical Agent Orange um, as he was, you know, fighting in, in uh, Vietnam. And so um, I've uh, just started doing uh, some pheno hunting for, uh, an, you know, a mom to, that I'm going to utilize for making F2s, making hybrids, making the uh, S1s. So I, I plan to have something similar like what I have with the jelly bean. I have an entire line, uh, different hybrids, you know, crossed with different moms, both regular and feminized as well as the original and S1. Wow. Yeah. Now uh, tell me a little about the jelly bean. Uh, you said that orange velvet is the mother. Tell me a bit about that strain and how it came to be, because uh, that's actually won cannabis cups, uh, all sorts of different awards, actually Adam Dunn invitational, uh, I picked it as a high time strain of the year back in, I believe, 2007, um, the Jilly Bean. And now uh, it's all over the world at this point. So uh, tell me a little bit about that strain. Absolutely. And yes, that one uh, does share the mother with Agent Orange. It's Orange Velvet. Um, this one, the father is the Space Queen, our well-known uh, space dude. Uh, I still keep him as well. And um, CSI Humboldt had retrieved the uh, Orange Velvet mother for me. So uh, I've made several crosses, as I was saying earlier, with the Jelly Bean. I have regular and feminized as well. I've crossed her with the uh, Chernobyl. Everybody remembers that Chernobyl. It was uh, the golden ticket phenotype, which was phenohunted by Danny from Uplifted Farms here in Oregon back when dioxide originally created when still as a tester. So that's I have that original mom, and she's very beautiful lime flavor, just just covered in resin, absolutely white, just gorgeous. 
excellent for um, ocular pressure in the eyes, just an amazing strain. And she's the mother of my jelly bean lime that I have uh, made. And I would, I would really like to bring her back as an S1 as well. And uh, what about the story of the Brianberry? Because uh, that's a patient-focused strain, right? Yes. Brianberry cough was originally named for my friend Brian. He uh, passed away from uh, ALS. And he used cannabis to um, combat the symptoms and the pains and different things associated with ALS as it progressed. And it was, I believe, three to four days before he passed away, he was able to smoke the very first Brianberry cough that I had created and then grown out for him. And he was, um, I was just so grateful that, you know, at least he got to sample his namesake. And I do still have uh I had a line of Brianberry for a little while, but they were temporary. I've taken a few of those that were very well loved, like the Brianberry Lemon Lime and the Brianberry Melon, Spa- Melon Splash and uh, the Brianberry Black Current, and I'm bringing those back as an S1. I would like to eventually bring back the original Brianberry Cough as well, and that was a, a cross from um, Kyle Cushman Strawberry Cough and Space Queen. Now, your strains are so unique and flavorful and, and, and smell incredible and look so beautiful, but you also breed for medicinal purposes. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about how you make uh, selections, you know, based on therapeutics and, and how a strain helps a patient? Well, there's so many different uh, strains that help patients in so many different ways. And if one strain helps one patient in a certain way, it doesn't mean it's going to help another patient in that way a different person might find a different type of a relief from that strain. So um, I I prefer just to gather as much information from as many different patients and, and people as I can that I can add to the information about the strain, let people know what it is known to relieve the symptoms from, but we can't definitely guarantee that it's going to do what it does for someone else. So, you know, each strain is unique to each person. As far as people who purchase a pack of seeds uh, from you or pretty much anyone actually uh, and wants to grow them out, what are some grow tips that you would may have for some beginners or intermediate growers to ensure successful harvests? It starts all the way from the seed. Um, just the most simple simple method is what I recommend. You put the seed in you know maybe a paper towel in a bag, make sure it's wet. You get your tails coming out, you put the seed in some freshly wetted, um, real mild soil to begin with, you know, it gets a few sets of leaves, starts growing in uh, right before it gets root bound. You want to put it into a little bit bigger pot and, you know, veg it out for a while, grow it, don't over love it, you know, make sure you keep it cleaned up, keep them healthy. The, the best thing you can do is keep your plant healthy to keep pests from attacking it. Um, the pest note, the, the plant sends out hormones when it's sick and then the pests know to come and attack that plant. So if you keep your plant healthy, then you have much less risk of having pests invade. So that that would be the first thing, you know, make sure you make make sure you keep your plant very healthy and don't overlove it. Sometimes, you know, people tend to try to do too much for the plant and then, you know, they don't give it a chance to see how it's going to react and they're trying something else. So, you know, just stick with something for a while. And like I said, simple is best. I prefer to put the plant in a pot that's large enough with good quality, healthy soil, maybe even make your own soil, good super soil or something of the sort, much better than bottled nutrients or anything else. 
and you know make sure it has adequate light and airflow make sure it has good air exchange nice uh now as far as breeding tips if people want to start creating their own strains uh do you have any tips for people uh you know what's the difference between just taking male pollen and a female flower and making seeds or breeding to create something new and special and amazing well, first of all, I would recommend that people make sure they have the growing aspect down before they begin to start with the breeding. Um, there's so many people, they've they've only had it once or twice they've finished from start to finish. And, oh, you know, maybe they had a plant, a hermaphrodite, and now all of a sudden they're a seed company. And I don't recommend that. I think that you need to make sure that you understand all the different things that can happen, you know, as you're growing and as you're breeding, you need to give it some time because you are not a grower until you've dealt with pests, until you've dealt with all of the crazy things that can happen. And as far as being a breeder, you need to test. Make sure that everything is tested before you release it. Um, grow it out yourself. Have other people grow it out. Keep notes. Figure out which uh, which plant does the best with, you know, if you're, if you're going to do a couple of different males to one female, keep track of which male was, you know, with the female and find out, you know, which one performed the best. And then that, that would be your keeper male and keeper female combo. Excellent. Uh, so you co-founded TGA in 2003 and we are now coming up on the 20th anniversary of that uh, next year. Um, over the years, you've helped so many patients and so many growers and breeders throughout the forums uh, on overgrow.com, all the online uh, forums and, and all those places. And with putting out incredible genetics, uh, you're actually a guest on the 18th Free Weed Show back in 2012, uh, which I want to say thank you for, <laughs> for doing that. And I just want to give you your flowers and thank you. Um, as the first known, you know, actively open American female breeder, uh, to be creating strains and uh, taking away the stigma from uh, being a cannabis patient and a, and a part of the industry and a, and a producer. I just want to say thank you. And uh, if you could also let people know how they can follow you uh, on social media and your website as well. Thank you so very much for the kind words. It definitely has been a long journey, a fun journey, very fun, lots of ups and downs, met so many amazing people on the way, you being one of them. So grateful, you know, to, that you are part of my life and part of my journey. Um, if people would like to uh, read more about my journey, they can find that on my website. It's just MsJill.com, M-Z-J-I-L-L.com. Um, also I, I am on Instagram, but Instagram kind of seems to have it out for cannabis growers right now. I just lost my main account. So I'm running on a backup account. It's MZJILL420. I also have a Ms. Jill Genetics and TGA Genetics page as well. And, um, you can, you can find all the strain guides all the information about the strains. And as I said, information about my journey, all on my website. Awesome. So, uh, so what are your plans for the future? I would like to get a few more of the uh, original TGA strains available to people. Um, I still have some of the original parents, as I was saying, with my my daughter. I want to bring back, for example, the Vortex and the Dairy Queen, uh, just to name a couple. And I'm going to continue to move forward with the Agent Orange line. Then I'm going to uh, revisit the Brian Berry line. 
and then I'll make some of the S1s of um, the particular strains like uh, Chernobyl and Time Wreck, uh, you know, the ones that were so familiar to everyone that they keep asking me to bring back. So I'm going to do that. Excellent. Thank you, Miss Jill, for being on the show. Uh, I truly appreciate it. And uh, please check her, check her out on social medias and MsJill.com. We will be right back after this with more Grow Bud Yourself. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. Hey, all right, and thank you to Ms. Jill for the interview that was awesome so thanks to her and uh here we are in the cultivation section the segment the chunk the cultivation chunk (laughs) uh i think i hear a song coming (laughs) and yes this is a fortnight and yes this is a fortnight strain Strain of the fortnight what do you got for us uh, what do you got for us this week Strain of the fortnight. <laughs> Strain of the fortnight. Ah, uh, yeah. You gotta love that. Of course, that means it's time for Strain of the Fortnite. Quick shout out to uh, Gunja Gonzalez for creating that. And, uh, yeah. and Dan, what do you have for this Fortnite? Yes. So, this Fortnite, the strain is called Gary Payton. And, uh, yeah, a lot of times uh, strains named after a person are just named after a person. This is actually uh, licensed by GP himself, the glove. So Love. Great defensive player in the 90s with the Sonics. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he was well known for even slowing down the great Michael Jordan mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in some of those championship runs. Uh, and they got that nickname, the glove. And I think, uh, you know, the strain itself uh, is quite befitting because this is pretty debilitating. Um, very strong, very gassy, uh, and as mentioned, it's named after the legendary uh, Seattle Supersonics point guard, uh, NBA Hall of Famer Gary Payton. Uh, it's a collaboration between Cookies and Powers Up Genetics, uh, and uh, very much couch lock high. So if you're looking for that long-lasting body buzz, this is the strain for you for sure. Um, definitely the glove. Uh, it was bred by Kenny of Powers Up Genetics, Uh, He crossed the Y with Snowman uh, in partnership with uh, his buddy Burner's Cookies brand. So it's a Cookies Powers Up uh, collab. Um, And basically, when they grew the seeds out of the cross, um, this was the 20th phenotype. This was the keeper, the elite uh, keeper strain. 
Uh, and these guys, you know, they're really into basketball. Uh, Gary Payton wore the number 20 throughout his illustrious career. So uh, the 20th phenotype became the Gary Payton. And uh, Burner actually ended up reaching out uh, to Gary uh, through some mutual friends in the Bay. Uh, and they struck a deal to license his name and likeness uh, for the strain, which is pretty unique. Uh, and yeah, as far as the flower, uh, it's dense, tight, frosty, little nuggets for the most part. There's not a lot of big buds here, but they glisten in the light. They're very, very shiny. Um, looking at them under a loop will reveal some purple, uh, some bright orange hairs, really colorful, light, you know, light green with that, with that purple undertone. Um, as far as the scent, uh, very strong, super gassy, uh, diesel fuel terps, uh, and if you just a little eighth, you open up the room, uh, open up a bag, and it will reek up the whole room. Uh, so it's very, very, uh, you know, as the kids say, fire, you know, gas. Um, it tests high in caryophylline, uh, which kind of gives it that spicy, peppery uh, tartness to it, too. And as far as medicinally, that has some, uh, some anecdotal anti-inflammatory benefits as well for, uh, for people um, you know, dealing with inflammation, and aren't we all? Uh, beginner and intermediate smokers should proceed with caution, uh, for sure, because it's, like I said, it's really strong. Um, you don't want to shut yourself down. Uh, even, you know, serious connoisseurs should expect, uh, shouldn't expect to score any triple doubles, uh, if they're smoking this. In fact, uh, if you're dabbing on it, it does make great concentrates, but, uh, dabbing on the Gary Payton might, uh, leave you on the bench, <laughs> for sure it'll definitely change your plans and, and uh that's uh that's the gary payton in in legal states you can actually purchase flowers of the gary payton strain from cookies connected so you can go to cookiesconnected.com uh, and find gary payton near you uh but like i said be careful it is the real deal uh you know day wrecker <laughs> as we used to say back in the day but uh it's, yeah it's interesting because uh, obviously it got the name because it was the 20th phenotype and he wore 20, but it works uh, because it locks you down much like Gary right. Payton locked players down in his, uh, in his playing days. So there you go. The Gary Payton strain of the Fortnite. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, thanks to, you know, Burner and Kenny and, uh, the, the great Gary Payton. Absolutely. Yes. So, uh, that is strain of the Fortnite, but our listeners know that each week Dan likes to uh, give a grow tip that's going to help you become a better grower. So what do you want to talk about? this week yes so this week i want to talk about foliar feeding um a lot of times this is kind of an afterthought for people uh it's not the the way you feed your plants uh directly i mean it's it's a it's a supplement to a normal feeding schedule uh but it does help them a lot and it's got a lot of benefits if you do you choose the right way to do it and the right time to do it so um basically what foliar feeding is is you use a spray bottle uh, to basically mist the leaves with a mild nutrient solution. Um, the leaves can act actually absorb the water and essential trace elements through their stomata uh, and epidermis, and this can provide them with a nice boost, uh, an immediate boost, uh, as opposed to having to wait a few days after you water soil and, and let the roots absorb the newts and get them to the plant. You can actually see plants green up pretty quickly within a few hours or so after being foliar fed. So uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a good thing to do at the right time. Uh, studies have found that uh, supplementing your traditional soil watering 
uh, system with foliar feeding is going to result in healthier plants, increased terpene production, and bigger yields. Uh, so uh, it is important. And uh, the droplets also have that added benefit. They clean the leaf surface of dust, um, and that can hinder the ability of the plant to take in light. Um, that could be a place where pests or you know mold kind of set in. So uh, it also cleans your plants. Um, and it also can increase relative humidity uh, as well. So that's why people love to mist uh, young, young cuttings, uh, like rooting, rooting cuttings when they're cloning, or uh, young plants, uh, seedlings as well. I mean, it just increases the humidity level right at leaf level. So it's really good for that as well. Um, and you, you see the results pretty quickly. So uh, you just want to avoid certain mistakes when you're foliar feeding. So uh, indoor growers... Obviously, you're going to need to protect your light source. Uh, if you have a bulb out there, you don't want to get water on the bulb, even uh, if, if the bulb is off, uh, which I recommend, you know, foliar either when the bulb is off or uh, early on in the day, like right, basically like right when the lights come on. Uh, and same thing for outdoor uh, growers. You should spray early in the morning. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you spray around noon, uh, you can end up burning the plants because the water droplets... Uh, absorb that sunshine and, and burn the, the leaves. Um, and then you want to stop foliar feeding altogether once flowering has begun. Um, and that's done to, to basically avoid mold or uh, powdery mildew or bud rot uh, because the water can get into the flower and kind of just stay there. Uh, so foliar feeding is really for the vegetative stage um, and the earliest st stage as well, where, where you have your seedlings and your clones. You're basically uh, you're going to need a spray bottle. Uh, if you're in a closet or a tent, you can just use a, a handheld spray bottle to do this. Um, but if you're going to be in a larger application, uh, you're going to need probably a pressure sprayer or something like that. So you're not just constantly squeezing uh, <laughs> a sprayer. Um, as far as foliar feeds, uh, there's lots of different options. Any water-soluble liquid or powdered fertilizer can be diluted into a mild solution. Uh, I would avoid anything thick or viscous. Uh, stuff like earth juice sometimes uh, can clog the sprayer. Uh, so you've really got to either dilute that really heavily or just avoid it altogether. Um, I love aerated compost tea, oxygenated overnight for like 24 hours. Uh, make it as mild as, as like a, a, a light iced tea. Basically, you want it to kind of look like iced tea. And then uh, you can spray that on. Liquid kelp is popular, liquid fish. Um, those are great organic uh, foliar feeds. But you can use chemical f if, you, if that's, you know, what you've got. If you've got the GH3 part or whatever. Um, just be sure, be sure that it's at least, you know, a quarter or less of the recommended dosage. Um, you don't want to burn the plants. And uh, you can also mix in a drop or two of insecticidal soap. Uh, or horticultural oil uh, that acts as a surfactant. Uh, it aids in absorption and it uh, keeps that that droplet on the leaf longer. Um, and also be sure to spray the top and the undersides of the leaves, the bottom of the leaves and the tops of the leaves. Uh, that's important as well. So uh, that is foliar feeding and I hope, uh, I hope that helps you guys out. Uh, it's a great way to give your plants a boost if you do it at the right times and in the right way. All right, there you go, foliar feeding. Excellent grow tip, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, that brings us to the portion of the show where we uh, answer some questions. 
from our loyal listeners. And if you have a question you would like answered on the show, uh, you can get in touch with us. That email is info at growbudyourself.com. So uh, let's kick things off with Aaron. And he writes, uh, do you have any opinion on the latest flushing debate? Uh, I've heard of recent scientific studies saying that it makes no difference in the final product and the same levels of nutrients and metals stay in the plant whether you flush it or not. Uh, they're saying that flushing only speeds up the cure and saves nutrients during the last two weeks. So, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is a, uh, a definite debate that people have. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe in flushing because I believe that most people overfeed. Um, I think 99.9% .9 of the cannabis uh, out there in the world has been overfed. Uh, I know I harp on this all the time, but I think it's one of the biggest mistakes that are made and, and one of the hardest to see as you're making it. I mean, once you've got burnt leaf tips, you've gone too far, and it's really hard to, to even flush that out. Now, if even the only benefits are that it speeds up the cure and saves nutrients during the last two weeks, I think that's you know reason enough uh, for it. But I do think that properly flushed uh, cannabis just tastes better and it burns cleaner. And, you know, keep in mind, this is something that you're putting in your body. You're, you're inhaling, uh, you're burning. It's not an ornamental. It doesn't need to look pretty. It needs to taste good and feel good. So I am all for flushing these studies. And I, I was part of a study, actually. Uh, they flew me out to Colorado to do a test on uh, different strains, uh, the same strain, but uh, flushed in different ways. So one was flushed two weeks, one was flushed one week, and one was unflushed. And it was hard to tell the difference. And I think the reason was because they were feeding properly and they were lightly feeding their plants. And in that case, the flush isn't nearly as important. Uh, but like I said, most plants out there in the world are overfed and therefore could use a good flush. And that's just uh, a matter of lightly feeding versus heavily feeding and how much of a flush is needed. But again, especially if you're using chemical nutrients, you know, flush for two weeks at least. And, uh, or if you're using organic nutrients, you, you also need to flush. So I do believe in flushing and I don't think, uh, I think the benefits far outweigh any of the costs or risks, uh, or anything else. So, uh, that's where I stand on it. I like weed that burns really clean to a nice white ash, uh, I like when it's lightly fed, and I like uh, when it tastes really good all the way down. So that's my, my take on it. Just flush, damn it. All right. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Uh, let's go to Jeannie. And this is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, Jeannie writes, What effect does placing marijuana in a freezer have on it? Does it keep it fresh? What do you think, Dan? Yeah, so I think we've talked about this before as well, but I do not recommend uh, placing any cannabis in a freezer or a refrigerator. Uh, the freezing temperatures are going to degrade the THC and the other cannabinoids uh, and the terpenoids. Uh, freezing, as we know, when we make ice water hash, makes the gland heads break off. Uh, I think the best place for storing cannabis is in a cool, dark place in a dark-colored and sealed glass jar. Uh, completely opaque that doesn't allow light into it. Uh, I think, you know, like a space like a cupboard, uh, a drawer, any place that's cool and dark. Um, and, you know, cannabis needs to be consumed within a year or so of when it's grown anyway. I mean, I've had some long-cured stuff that's great, uh, but ultimately it's it's degrading 
from the moment that it's harvested. And uh, you don't want pot that's past its prime. And so that's why I don't believe in like long storage uh, and particularly not in the freezer or the refrigerator. And uh, the thing is, you can always grow more. So uh, keep it coming and keep it fresh. All right, there you go. Thank you, Jeannie. Uh, let's go to Corey. And this is a question that I think literally every pothead has had at some point in their life. Um, Corey writes, My buddy and I were just wondering how much pot a plant in a window will yield. I can't really afford fancy grow lights or air conditioning, so I'd like to know if it's worth my time to crack some beans and just let them grow out like houseplants. What do you think, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, it, the dream is that you can do that and it's possible to grow buds on a windowsill. Uh, but a no, there's a number of factors that are going to determine, um, how much you're going to actually yield. Um, if your window is in a Southern facing window, gets full sun, uh, for as many hours of a day as possible. I mean, like all of it, you may need to supplement with a little bit of lighting as well. Um, if you can, but you're saying, you know, you can't afford fancy grow lights, but you can afford a fluorescent light, uh, or, you know, compact fluorescent, um, which, uh, can work just fine to extend, uh, you know, the day for a plant that's already getting a, a decent amount of sun in a window. Um, Southern facing full sun, uh, th those, those are requirements pretty much. Uh, otherwise the plant's going to be pretty spindly. It's not going to yield anything. Uh, won't be really getting enough light to uh, produce flowers. I mean, you can grow a plant. It's just it's one once the time comes to actually produce flowers, you're going to need uh, 12 hours of pretty intense light for that. Um, you need to be sure that the window itself isn't tinted or doesn't have you know some kind of stuff to to uh, stop the rays of of sun from hitting the plant. Um, Plants in a windowsill also can dry out pretty quickly, so you have to keep it pretty well watered. Uh, I wouldn't expect too much of a yield from a windowsill plant. Uh, one of the cool things is it'll get you started growing, and you'll start to understand at least you know germination and, and how the plant comes up and, and, and lives. So you know there's nothing wasted by doing it, uh, but I wouldn't expect to, to yield or harvest too much uh, just on a windowsill. All right. Sorry, Corey. But it is a lovely dream to have. Uh, let's let's go to Michael. His question has two parts. So we'll take the first part here in episode uh, 85 and the second part over on Patreon as our bonus Q&A. So Michael writes, uh, first of all, he says, I just bought a five pack of seeds and one seed is three times the size of the others. Is it like puppies where the one with the biggest paws gets to be the big dog? What do you think, Dan? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. The size of the seed does not directly affect the size of the plant. That's for sure. Uh, I've seen tiny seeds grow huge plants and, and big seeds grow small plants. Uh, the curious thing, though, is that you bought a five-pack of seeds. Uh, they should all be generally the same size. If one looks really different from all of the others, I would keep a close eye on that plant uh, as you grow it out because it seems a little suspect uh, for there to be that much variance between you know the seeds if they're coming from the same source and they're the same strain they should be approximately the same size uh, so i just keep an eye on it as it grows out make sure it's not some kind of weird mutant or something totally different from what you ordered so yeah that's that would be my advice and uh, i'll see you over on patreon for the second half of the question 
All right, yeah. Michael, don't buy any magic seeds. Doesn't matter how big they are. Um, thank you to Michael and everybody who wrote in this week. If you have a question, do get in touch with us. That email, again, is info at growbudyourself.com. Um, as I mentioned, uh, if you'd like to hear the second question Michael had, uh, which is strain-specific for munchies, join us over on Patreon for the bonus Grow Q&A. Uh, that's going to do it for the cultivation segment, but uh, what do you say we take a little break, then come back and wrap this one up? Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. Hey, all right. Welcome back. And it is time for the wrap. I want to say uh, thank you to Miss Jill, first and foremost, uh, for being a guest on the show. Uh, thanks to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Uh, you guys for listening. All the Patreon supporters, please get on there uh, and support us even at $4.20 a month. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's very much uh, appreciated. Any kind of support you guys can give us over there. So go to patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Um, sign up for that. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're, we are, we're out there doing our thing. Um, and check out the merch I mentioned earlier on uh, growbudyourself.com. Uh, let us know if you, if you think of uh, any other uh, merch items we should put out there. And uh, thanks to our sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Check out their THC-infused pain relief rub. Uh, follow them on Instagram, Excelsior Extracts. Um, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, the code is Danko15 for 15% off. Uh, Rocket Seeds, code is GBY10 for 10% off. Uh, Organic Rev Growth Stimulant, the code there is GBY10 for 10% off. Or you can go to organicrev.com slash GBY10, I believe. So uh, thanks to all of them for supporting us. Uh, our affiliate, Vapor.com. If you're interested in any kind of vaporizers or accessories, uh, rolling papers, pretty much anything, they sell a ton of stuff, you can use the code GROWBUDYOURSELF20 for 20% off everything site-wide. That's 20% off Puffco Peak Pro, uh, 20% off Volcano, 20% off um, all the different vapes and accessories and everything else they got over there, um, including CBD and a bunch of stuff. I mean, rolling machines, everything you could ever imagine and you get 20% off with Growbud Yourself 20. Um, thanks to my co-host. It's episode 85. Uh, let's put it in the books. <laughs> <laughs>